Hey guys, Sklar Brothers here from View from the Cheap Seats podcast. And this week we have one of the best sports writers in the game. And he's got a great podcast as well. Jonah Carey joins us on the podcast. Did you have fun on View from the Cheap Seats, Jonah? I had the most fun and my commute was about 14 steps down to my living room. We did it in your living room. We're in Denver. It's a little road. uh, I'm going to call it a road victory for us all. We all There's no one I want to talk to more than who right now during these baseball playoffs than than Jonah Jonah Carey. Carey. So join us on this episode because we take the deepest dive. Let me just say there is a three a <laughs> Mordecai three, three finger, finger brown reference. There you go. That's and by there. the way, Gar Ryness is not here. I'm kissing him. I'm, I'm giving love. a shout out now. I feel like he always needs to be at least in spirit. When we love talk. to the batting stance yes. guy. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough, and to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D S T L D. You get, like, brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use the promo code FARRELL and check out and get a 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Feral Audio. Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer, and welcome to the 100th episode of Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I wish I had like a fake applause noise I could put in there to make it seem like it's important. Uh, I'm thrilled that I've actually reached 100 episodes of this thing. I uh, when you I started doing this, I thought like even up until like a couple months ago, I was like, who the fuck is listening to this thing? It's like Am I just recording into into the internet nothingness? And then the next thing I know, I have 100 episodes and a decent following, and I've talked to some of uh, amazing legendary musicians and artists, and I feel uh, just really goddamn honored that I've been able to do that. So thank you. Thank you for people who've emailed me and supported this show. Um, And I wanted to do something special for my 100th episode, so I had... Uh, I asked Jonah Ray, who's a comedian and a good friend of mine, to do the episode because uh, I wanted, I just, I felt like Jonah Ray would bring something different to the show, and he he really did. Um, we start off, and we're having a conversation, and then Jonah plays a little trick, and we go way off into a different direction, and uh, I'm really, really thankful, and it's really awesome, and it's a great, great episode, so I'm I'm really Glad I asked Jonah, who's a, a good friend, a great friend. So I thank you. And, you know, I know the, the I've been asking for help with this show for a long time, donations and, and whatnot. And I've never really, like, my Irish Catholic uh, bullshit 
uh, and and it always like makes me feel so I'd put it way at the end of the show and um, and I know nobody it's like you know a fucking PBS pledge drive you don't want to hear somebody asking for money even a homeless guy who needs a cheeseburger on the corner he's just like eh <laughs> you know I don't it's, but um we we've been doing the show for free for a hundred episodes and um, then we I say Dustin Marshall and Feral Audio. And uh, if you could, you don't have to donate money. That's a pain in the ass. But if you could just use my Amazon link on the conversations page on Feral Audio, you could also go to the mattdwyer.com. I, and there's a link and that all my info there. If you use that Amazon link, whenever you buy like socks or, you know, hair products or batteries, DVDs, if if you buy it through that link, we get a kickback of that money, and it helps support us. Like, I need a new recorder and microphone cords, and we really, that will help us out so much, and I can keep the show going. And then you don't, and I, I feel badass. I do, I feel bad. I, you know, if I had, like, a tumor on my arm, and my friend, who's a multimillionaire, I would feel bad asking for him, like, for $10,000 to take off my tumor, which for him is like, you know, it's like a 10 bucks. That's $10 for my really rich friend. <laughs> and I would probably let myself die because that's how weird I am about asking for anything in the world. Help. Uh, it's a weird working class Irish thing. And it's like, and you know, what's weird is because when I was a kid, we probably should have asked for help because my dad... Um, we need frozen waffles for dinner, so you know, because he had too much pride um, to ask a friend for a job. And it's like, you know what? I wish you would have asked, and I would have really, because frozen waffles aren't even great for breakfast, but for dinner, uh, that's some real bullshit. And you know what? Not a lot of nutrition. I was a growing boy, and there's a reason I, I'm my hips hurt because I ate frozen waffles. I'm gonna blame all my physical problems on frozen waffles not uh the fact that i don't exercise a lot and that i um chronically drink in a chair <laughs> uh i'm going to blame it on i'm going to blame it on frozen waffles frozen waffles also the reason for my first two marriages failing uh and the and the need that i had to feel a need to get married twice then i had to fill the frozen waffles Frozen waffles is my reason why I cannot find the clitoris. Frozen waffles. Frozen waffles, I I, I can't please a woman because I ate Kellogg's frozen waffles my entire life. Um, all right, well, I'm going to stop talking about frozen waffles. I've, I've, this is the 11th attempt at recording this opening to my show, so if it's been a little weird... Uh, oh, by the way, if you do like frozen waffles, go to my Amazon link. Buy some frozen waffles. That'll help out my show a lot. Frozen waffles. And, uh, well, let's get to this conversation with Jonah Ray. It's a really great one. Thank you for listening to 100 episodes of Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Do you know what I explored a lot, Jonah Ray? You know, it's a. Uh, I've been doing podcasting for a while, and uh, there would be times where I'm on other people's podcasts, and I just I have to say stories I've sold told before, because you know I only live so much, and only so, <laughs> and only so much of my life is interesting, and it's not that much. 
and uh, I there was a guy on Twitter going, uh, "Hey, we get it. We've heard that. I've heard that story before. Why do you keep on repeating the same things?" And I, I tell that guy, um, "You try and record over 500 hours of your conversations over the course of three or four years, and see how many times you repeat your fucking self." He could just come and see my stand-up act and be like, "You're still doing that thing from '97." <laughs> well, it's tough. It's tough because like I'm on a podcast where I, I, you know, like with and I've been doing it for four and a half years, the Nerdist, and then it's you know you end up just saying stuff, and then you go on someone else's podcast where they interview you, and then uh, they ask some of the same things. So what I repeat myself? Because I I'm wanted sorry. to talk to you about. Do they ask about Hawaii a lot? Uh, John Roy did. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's a specifically, but but like, yeah, because I I don't think a lot of people Hawaii is such a bizarre to most people place to grow up because it's so like people don't know fucking anything about Hawaii. No, people don't know anything. They the, the the it's different though because there's a thing where people don't know about stuff uh, and they just don't know, and so they kind of accept whatever happens. People with Hawaii, people think they have an idea of what Hawaii is. People have people have it in their heads what Hawaii is like. Therefore, when they find out anything different, they're really thrown off. And that's when the uh, misunderstanding and like that's how they don't understand. Like Kumail could talk about Pakistan. He'd be like, this happens in Pakistan. People, I have no idea about what happens in Pakistan. So that's like, that's crazy to me. But like, I'll say, this is what Hawaii is like. They go, no, it's not. <laughs> have you ever been there? No, but I've seen that Brady Bunch episode. That's what, I mean, I have a weird filter of like i listen to old hawaii music so i'm like oh everybody's just kind of like hanging out relaxing and drinking really good fruity drinks well yeah the white people <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's it's everyone <clears throat> it's just like any uh, the, i describe hawaii this way i say uh take any small shitty city uh carve it out of the earth and put it in the middle of the ocean it's gonna be beautiful because it's it's now a beach all around it and it's a tropical island in the middle of the ocean uh but it's it's still just a city. It still just has it's it's like you know it's not very nice. It's kind of dirty for the most part. It's you know it's uh, crowded in some areas. What was it? What town were you in? I was in I I, I was born in Kamaki, and then I uh, grew up pretty much in Kailua, which is on the windward side of the island, which is more of a suburban area. Is that not a, like a very touristy island? Uh no, it's very touristy in the in areas. You know, are they all touristy? Uh, no, no. I mean the Big Island. I mean they'll have touristy areas. Just like anywhere, like is we're in Los Angeles. Are we in the touristy area? No, but it's we. There is a touristy area of Los Angeles. We just don't go there. Yeah. Uh, Waikiki is on Oahu, Diamond Head, uh, Honolulu, Pearl Harbor, um, North Shore. Uh, you know, there's a lot of Marine and Army and Navy bases on Oahu. Uh, there's it's just a, a lot of the stuff you know about Hawaii is all within Oahu. Is there any like because like San Diego, you go and it's a little bit like overly military in some areas, and it's a like yeah. if you're in the bars, it's like oh fuck, yeah, like it's that's, rough. That's a yeah, that's a lot of it. That's a lot of it. there's a lot of military guys ever. I the, I grew up the town I grew up in is right next to the Kaneohe Marine Base, which is a huge peninsula. It's kind of weird to think because you're not allowed there. It's this huge chunk of land that you just can't go to. You can if you know a kid that lives on base or something like that. You know there was, but there's what could have been one of the biggest surf spots on the island, rivaling North Shore even. But no one can really go to it because it's because it's cut off. It's it's you're not allowed because it's a marine base. So you have to, to join the Marines to get some good surfing in. Yeah. You know, it's a, and they don't allow it's a You know, we had friends that would like, you know, befriend people on the base just so they can go. surfing. Really? That spot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
it's uh it's you know it's this huge and it's so there's tons of dudes that are just there and they're bored you know they're just there and they just they're in this small town they're you know 45 minutes away from the city and they're just bored and they're around looking for fights isn't it weird that it's like i mean you don't think of like oh such a beautiful place that people would be bored but i mean it makes kind of sense well have you ever driven down to mexico no, it, I'm scared. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. I, I highly recommend it. Like you know, once you get out of, once you get out of the Tijuana, you know, just the border area is just kind of it's real. It's real messy. I just but, always feel like there's that thing. It's like, oh, they're gonna kidnap you and cut off your head. That's all. I'm not even being no, exaggerating. No, there's, there's, you know, I had friends go on surfing trips down there, and they, you know, they get pulled over by guys with machine guns. They're the cops, and then they say, uh, "We'll take you to jail because you're doing something illegal. Uh, give us money, and then you can go." You just have to give them money. That's just the way it works. But, you know, I went down to uh, Rosarito, and it's a... Sorry. Your dog's eating stuff, Sorry. just so people know. <laughs> Sorry. Not you, Matt. What are you, what are you eating, Matt? <laughs> I bring a, a meatloaf sandwich to every recording. That's People don't know that. Now no, it's no. ruined. Now it's ruined. Now that magic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, There was that was the... the the hidden gem of uh, it's like everyone's always wondering what's happening, and it's a meatloaf sandwich. Get out of here! This, the I'm smell, sorry. <laughs> the smell of outside. smell outside. of. Oh God, I know. Now I forgot what. And we that's were when I killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I should have been recording. You weren't rec- well. I can never say that again. No, no, you don't want to. That's yeah. a felony. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but it's, you go down to uh, Mexico, and you just you know any kind of beach environment you know you just see people kind of just standing around you just see you just see people just kind of yeah i don't know what am i gonna do yeah I, and it's I, us and it's, it's us guys like us projecting onto them like why aren't you doing anything <laughs> you know? i mean i live 15 miles from the ocean i go maybe once a year yeah but it's just uh the idea that yeah and i i, I lived by the ocean my, most of my life growing up so i don't really need to go anymore <laughs> plus it's, it feels dirty out here and it's always cold i hate it yeah I'm always afraid I'm going to step on a needle or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, but is, was there is there like a hostility in between? Because this is a lot of mixed people, not mixed. That sounded racist, but no, like no, a mix of like different worlds coming it's also together. Mixed people, yeah, 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 and I'm, mixed people. I'm a mixed people. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, there's a term for uh, uh, the term for like a mixed uh, person who's like you know white, howly, you know, uh, and a local that's white person. or is that a mixed? Howly is the white person, and that's they're. Maybe not the friendliest towards white people. The no, natives? no, not so much. No, and there, there's not, and the, that's another thing. Not really necessarily natives anymore. You know, the, there's you know, there's no full-blooded Hawaiian person left. There's just not there. A local there is a is you know as a mixed bag of you know a guy is a you know Hawaiian, Portuguese, Japanese, and Irish, or uh, you know a Filipino, Chinese. Um, you know, Dutch, or you know, there's this. Uh, everyone's kind of a mix. Samoan. Some people are part Samoan. Uh, there's a lot of Micronesians there now. Uh, have been for a while, but uh, it's it's just kind of this, you know, mixed bag of. And they're, they're, you just refer to them as locals, or the derogatory term, which would be moke. <laughs> That's that a good term. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it sounds and really and offensive. If, and if you're if you're a mix where you're like half and half, where you're like a like you know Howley and a Japanese or Howley and a you know a local mix, uh, you're referred to as Hapa. You're Hapa Howley. That means you're just a, kind of a white and local person. But you know I'm I'm, I'm Portuguese. My family has been there for a really long time. Uh, you know I used to get messed with by you know Samoan guys. You know saying Dom Howley, get off my land, eh? You know just kind of 
telling me you know I'm a, you know I, I don't belong there yet I would bring logic into it and say well you know my family's Portuguese and uh, we've we're actually the first wave of immigrants here uh, it wasn't until maybe you know 50 years later that the Samoans showed up that you they don't understand that <laughs> so it didn't really work or didn't work Matt it didn't work <laughs> Uh, yeah but was it and this is just my because i grew up because i'm a lot older than everybody mm-hmm. that well, like we didn't i didn't have cable so like culturally my where i grew up was like really stunted like we didn't and i don't you probably had cable as a kid right were you yeah yeah we were very wealthy we had cable television <laughs> we had a yeah we had nothing we didn't we didn't even have a vcr oh wow but so i because i was just like is there a cultural sort of lag with what you get in hawaii like yeah, yeah, you know, it's uh but that's the way it works anywhere. I mean, stuff kind of starts in England uh, and New York and then it it's, you know, you go to New York now, you're seeing people wearing flight suits. You have you seen have you been to New York? Have you seen that? I, have, I was, I was in, walking around Soho, I saw one guy in a leather flight suit. Um and I think they were kind of capri style pants on the flight suit. But I was like, look at that weirdo trying to make a fashion statement. I saw like three other people doing the same thing. And that's a thing that's going to become a thing. It's going to start in New York. It's going to catch on. And then in a year or two, you're going to see people doing that around Silver Lake. It's just, that's the way it's, it goes that way. And then the, when it hits the international dateline, it fizzles. And then it becomes distorted. And then it becomes mutated. And then it becomes something in Japan. <laughs> Are they, uh, is it just awful looking? I just anything new fashion. Like, yeah, it looks dumb. It's like a puffy vest for your body. That seems fucking warm. Yeah, it was the winter time. Maybe they, maybe they, they can change it up. Yeah, but here they'll wear them when it's ninety degrees, like yeah, they do sure. with Nick. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Still I got guys wait. trying to be like Elliot Smith and Silver Lake with the scarves and the beanies on. I'm always amazed, like how, how long it takes for fads to dissipate here in Los Angeles. Like the, the like the waxy mustache thing. I'm like, now I see that. And I'm like, really? We're still. There's still a ton of this, or the giant beard thing. Like I'm giant like, beard thing. The beards just get bigger. You it's know? getting it's, the beards are getting bigger. The hair's getting shorter and more kept. Like uh, you know, the Sweeney Todd style, you know, buzzed on the sides, real twenties looking. That's the that's the difference now. Yeah. See, I would feel ashamed to do that now. Like I, w- I'm like, oh, I'd like to have a nice haircut, but I'm like, everybody has it, so I feel weird. Yeah, just do whatever. I mean, I, I'm not going to do what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I haven't really delineated much from, you know, since junior year of high school. Which was what? Kind Plaid of? shirts, uh, moppy hair, uh, and uh, sideburns. Yeah, and, I see baby know. pictures of myself, or like high school, like elementary's pictures, and I'm like, oh, I'm we- wearing the same shirt. Like, it's, I didn't even know it. Yeah. Especially when they, everyone was wearing those, like, sort of pearl snap western shirts. I was like, I still, I still wear those. I still bought one the other day. I don't, well, who cares? Who cares? No, know? I'm just amazed how little I've actually ever changed anything in my life. I know you've changed quite a bit. You know, we've known each other now. <laughs> Ten, you're you're quite different from when we met. Well, yeah, I'm not as um, I'm not a mess. You're not a mess. That's big. That's a big change from how much of a were mess we you both were. messes when we met? Well, I, I, we I, both... I was allowed to be. I was 20. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was emotionally 15 still. So yeah. Yeah. Um, now, well, how old? Was, so we met the first year Ten of years FYFS. So it was it was 11, 11 years ago, right? Yeah. This is this is the 11th year of FYF, which was called Fuck FS. That's how we met, is because um, 
Sean Carlson, the guy who started Fuck YFS, FYFS, he said, hey, I know this guy at Echo Park. He says he's a comic. Uh, I want him on the show. He said he could help you. And I said, I don't want to know some random dude you met. <laughs> you know, Little I'm, did I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, don't know, I so. emailed him. I just found a flyer and emailed him. That's all I did. Yeah. I didn't know him at all. Yeah, and I was just like, ah, dude, no. <laughs> I don't never heard of Matt Dwight because you had just moved to town. Yeah. And uh, and little did I know you were uh, you know somewhat of a legend, Chicago uh, comedy legend. That makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I still talk to me. I was talking <coughs> to Sam Brown. You know Sam Brown from the Whitest Kids, and he was saying when he like in '99 or 2000 or something like that, he went to U- UCB and saw you do a one man show, and he said it was such great. He said he, he even remembered uh, some of the bits you did or the stories you did about like shitting your pants and then like continuing to hang out. And he, he said you had this amazing bit about how do you how do you sit down with shit in your pants without looking like a weirdo? <laughs> yeah, I had to get in a small car with shit in my pants. Yeah. And it wasn't like my life was so bad. Like I was eating 99 cent double cheeseburgers from McDonald's every day because that's pretty much all I could afford if I wanted to keep my drinking going. Yeah. And I was drinking a lot of draft beer. And it wasn't even like, oh, oh my God, I'm going to shit my pants. It was just like, I shit my pants. Like it, there was yes. no warning. It was just boom, shit in my pants. I don't think anyone's ever been prepared to shit their pants. I don't think it's just like I'm gonna shit my pants and then I shit my pants. Well, I've had it it's, where it's like, oh my, oh my god, this is gonna like I'm I gotta get to a bathroom right away. Oh, I didn't make it. I've been able to make it every time, but I have shit my pants on several occasions. Do you talk? When was the last time you shit your pants? Uh, last time I shit my pants, I was working on web soup. Um, I hope it was on camera. No, no, no. <laughs> I was ditching work early. And then I went to across the street on the way to my car into a restaurant, and then I went to and I was peeing at the urinal, and I farted, and then it. <laughs> and I just bought these new expensive pair of jeans. I was really proud of, and um, that's the that's the most boring time I think uh, I shit my pants. I've uh, been shitting my pants pretty consistently since high school. Yeah, I, I have I, a, I must have a weird thing. It's possible. Yeah, I did it that, that one time. That was pretty bad. That was like real disgusting, and you know you just you become like a blind doctor. You know, trying to trying to because you can't see where how to clean up because it's like, you know, I, I it happened. I waddle to a, a stall and then I just kind of uh, and then you're always surprised, too. You're like, should I wipe this far down my leg? And it's still just a ton of shit. And just like, wow. You know, it's like, what about this far down you? Because you can't see. You just have to guess. And you're always surprised by the physical evidence. Yeah, I I after the time, the story that I shit my pants, I carried baby wipes and an extra pair of underwear with me everywhere for probably two years oh wow yeah i I mean i was living really hard so shitting my pants was like always just like a thing on my mind (laughs) yeah how much like so you started doing comedy really young i started at 15 at 15 i started taking classes at second city at 15 you and hal sparks Hal Sparks came a little later, but yeah, he he like came like a year or two later, and we actually were really good friends. Really, we lived were like just the two youngest kids doing. We that. were well, there there was a high school class at Second City, so but we were the two, dare I say, stars of the class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys would uh, do scenes together and normally did well. Yeah, and together. we did, and we hung out a lot, and we we actually ended up moving to L.A. We moved at eighteen. I moved to we lived we had an apartment on Pass Avenue in Burbank by the. Ralph Servan's there. No way. So what year is this? 88. 88. So you guys I both thought moved out immediately. We, yeah, we graduated high school and moved to L.A. thinking we were, we thought we had a writing job, which I don't even think was like, I, it was really weird. Did, so, and there <clears throat> was Second City out here yet? The one next they to the They opened 
Uh, no, they had one in Santa Monica. Like Bonnie okay. Hunt was on the stage there, but I couldn't get it. They didn't give me a job. I thought they were. I thought I was going to get a job on the staff there. I ended up working at Flippers Frozen Yogurt. Not to brag, I did serve Steve Perry a medium strawberry with almonds. That's great. You remember it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did, and the mom from Married with Children came in all the time, and she would often wander off and not pay. The mom with Married with Children, Katie Seagal. She would come. Yes, she's done so much. <laughs> I just would be like mad because she would just like wander off and like I'd be like, "You're a millionaire. Like, why are you not paying for your yogurt?" Yeah, doesn't think about it. She's done so much. I know. I'd like Sons of Anarchy and the voice of Leela in in Futurama. I don't watch Futurama. It's a it's a great show. I'm sure it's it a, is. It's one of the rare cartoons that can make you laugh and cry. You watch the dog episode, or don't. I don't. I, yeah, 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 yeah. You got to be careful with that. Um, Do they shit their pants on that show? I'm sure. I'm sure Bender <laughs> has. If I know Bender. Um, so you you moved out. You moved out here. You were 18, 17. I was 18. 18, and you guys moved to Burbank. We lived. Yeah, Burbank. We had a two bedroom apartment. I worked at Flippers Frozen Yogurt. What did What did Hal do? Uh, he came from North Shore. He had. Daddy money. Oh, he is. So yeah. Yeah, he's dead. Like I think his dad just flipped the bill, and then he, and then I went home for Christmas and didn't come back. So you fucked him over. Uh. uh... <laughs> <laughs> so you fucked Hell Sparks over. No, I no, not intentionally. I had no. I was making no money anyway. I was barely like surviving. Did I, you tell him you weren't coming back? Yeah. And how did he take the news? He didn't care. He didn't care? No. He, I don't think. I mean, I'd seen him a couple times after that. And so it were wasn't you guys like, doing stand-up or trying to get up anywhere? We weren't or? doing anything. He might have been. Uh, he, he had like an agent and stuff, and he'd done, he hosted some kids' game show and stuff. Jeez. But I... That was fast, huh? Yeah, he got he booked that in Chicago. I was doing. I was working at Flipper's Frozen Yogurt, and we were writing a movie together. And when you're 18, you know it's going to be really good. Yeah. You guys will star in it together. Yeah, that was the whole thing. It yeah. was like a... I don't even remember what it was about. I remember it was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, a certain comedian named uh, uh, Sari Bobel was uh, sniffing around me. <laughs> who? I was trying not to say his name. A certain gay comic we know. Who, oh, Sari Bobel. <laughs> yes, Sari Bobel. Yes. Who was... He was F. Uh, I like how this show became about my child. My childhood. <laughs> that was that was actually my plan the entire time. Because uh, this is your hundredth episode. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. Um, on one hundred. So uh, meaningful. One hundred conversations with Matt Dwyer. I think I've only ever had uh, thirty conversations with Matt Dwyer, and I've known you for ten. And you've years. heard the same stories every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes. And they're usually stories about somebody else. Uh, more. Uh, Why would I talk about my life when I could talk about someone far more fascinating? <laughs> <laughs> But I, uh, but you know, you you've talked to a bunch of great people, and and you've always fascinated me. But we, we're, you know, we, I fascinated you. I th uh, yes, in 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 maybe not the most like, complimentary like, ways. I, I was <laughs> yeah. gonna say like, how, how can a guy be so depressed and not kill himself already? I really, it's some of it, uh, <laughs> some of it. It's also just to me, to me, you know, you, some of the stuff that fascinates me, and I think about a lot of this stuff is that you, uh, you've been around and seemingly so close <laughs> for so long that was very ar articulate way of saying you're a failure <laughs> but you're not because a failure fails and then stops that's what a failure is a failure doesn't continue <laughs> a lunatic does <laughs> i have a friend of mine who was uh who 
my friend Danny, who was out here, he grew up out here, and he was in a band. Uh, you remember the band, The Rolling Blackouts? Yeah. They were a band that was starting to really, like, they got, like, best rock band in L.A. They got onto the subsidiary of uh, Warner Brothers Records. You know, they were just really, and then nothing ever really happened. And then, uh, you know, I was always wondering how much that bugged any of them. Uh, Danny ended up, like, uh, getting together with a girl, having a kid with a girl from Minneapolis. He moved to Minneapolis, St. Paul area, and he works uh, as a managerial kind of guy at, uh, Whole Foods. So he has a great job. Um, but he hasn't stopped playing music. And to me, that's successful. You know, you, you're you looking at things in a way of, uh, which is so easy to do, especially when in comedy, because you're, you know, bands, you might know a few other bands you're friends with, you might kind of know them from around. But in comedy, you, you multiply that by, you know, 600. <laughs> You know, like, and so you, there's 600 times the amount of people that you will know and see succeed and we get famous and get rich. And then, um, it's up to you to perceive if that is, that is success or as opposed to failure. So what you're doing right now is you're still around. I'm sure, you know, guys that you started with that, you know, stopped. I know a guy who like I saw on Facebook, he's managing like a super gay bar in New York city. And yeah. it's like. And at Second City, he was ahead of me, but it was like, oh, like he's, everyone's like, he's an amazing writer and this and that and this. And it's like, he's like the coyote ugly of gay bars. And he's like a totally straight, like almost oh, really? homophobic type. Or he, like, he's like very always been like kind of, not homophobic, but like uh, not tough, into it. tough guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was so, it was like, really? And then you see these pictures of him on Facebook and it's just like him surrounded by like His party monster yeah. flaming <laughs> dudes. <laughs> And so, you know, if you were to look at his life through the guise of uh, what he wanted to do and what he's doing now, you might be able to say that he was a failure in comedy. But it's uh, but you and I have conversations a lot about um, about life is is bigger than just the one thing you try to do. And so, you know, you continue to do it. And I find in my in my head, that's that's successful. Then maybe like you know, there's there's people that you started with that are uh, more famous or friends of yours that are have more money or uh, work more in the industry, but you've never stopped. And to say that you're a failure, I think is uh, yeah, is, no, that's no a, good. and I, the more I've seen people get famous and been around it, the more that becomes an incredibly unattractive thing to me. Like it, I seems, feel the same way. It feels and you like you are. I would say, uh, like you get recognized. You're famous. I, would, I, I, I mean, you're not like Brad Pitt famous. No, no, but like you know, uh, tall, doughy guys with glasses say, "Are you Jonah Ray?" <laughs> and then I say, "No, I get that all the time. I'm Matt Myra." Uh, <laughs> but like, is that is it because especially in the last couple of years, there's definitely been a shift of that for you, like where it's like, like you're definitely like you're Jonah. Like people know who the fuck you are, and is that kind of some be people do, but most people don't. Most people in the entire world won't know who I am. You know, think about how huge we think, uh, let's see, um, like Ian MacKay. And I use this example. I've used this example before. Um, Ian MacKay, he's, uh, you would say he's crazy famous. He's like a huge He's success. an icon. He's a legend. He's an icon. He's legendary. To a fraction of a subset <laughs> of a subgenre of um, most people will never know who Ian MacKay is. And that's okay. And so I think that that stuff is a uh, if if you really think of the grand scheme of things, you know, this desire to be known um, in my head, the desire to be known is only so I can uh, be desired for work. 
That's all I really want. I want the only reason I want people to know who I am is so someone uh, can help me try and attain uh, the work I want to do. So you know, yeah, and that's what it's become more for pe- so yeah. for me. Like it's like I uh, I want to create things, and I don't. I will never stop doing that, and like I'm always writing something, and that to me is like that to me is like not to sound queer a spiritual thing in a weird way but it's like it's how i feel right in the world and not lose my fucking mind yeah where i used to be like when i and i think that's it i think it's kind of a disease to it or like it's almost like addiction when people are like oh fame and blah like to to want that and to want to hold on to that and and keep it around a certain person of mine said like we had a conversation i won't say their name but they were like you should always want more. And I was like, you should be happy with what you have because you have a lot. Like, to always want more, then you're always going to want yes, more. Yes, it, that won't stop. It's unhealthy. It's very unhealthy. And, you know, they uh, you got guys that rationalize it going, you know, shoot for the star, you know, shoot for the stars and you'll get the moon. You know, they, there's that, that idea of uh, you should have the biggest aspirations in the world. Um, and, you know, there could be – someone could say so the way you and I think – that we are just uh, managing expectations and trying not to hurt our souls. With uh, you know, you know, we get we get we get told no and like so much um, that you you can almost start to you know change what you want just so it's more attainable. You know, it's like uh, I, there's the type of guys that go like, no, I only want I only want a model. I'm only going to go for a model. And then, you know, models keep on getting restraining orders on the guy. He's like, uh, I only want, like, a girl that looks like she used to be a model, then gain 30 pounds. <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's like, you have guys who want a model. She's 70. She's 70, but, you know. That's, he, yeah. I think, and I've thought that, too, because I'm like, I, I've when, like, I, I think people, when they get involved in this, it, a lot of people think it, it, they become entitled, and they think that fame uh, is somewhat owed to them a lot. Yes, and that's I think, very much it. Had, have you ever been in that mindset at all? That fame is owed to me? Well, like, um, yeah, a little bit. Like, where you're like, oh, I want it. Like, have you ever been, like, mad hungry for fame, or are you just like, I just want to do this? No, it's... Maybe, maybe when I before I realized that it wasn't the end-all, be-all, you know, to be famous. I never thought know. about this before, but I think, like, as a creative individual, to want to be famous is almost... a immature aspiration because yeah because it has nothing to do with the work it doesn't and that's he, it's all that stuff is just uh they're side effects man and that's all they are they're just uh you know uh fame is a side effect of doing what you want and then it happening happening it it happens to be very good and very popular it's all just side effects it has nothing to do with the actual work i think if you output. wanted to like a guy who's like i'm an actor probably like a real actor would probably not move to la and it happens a lot. In, in There's way. a lot of real actors that just stay in New York. But it's like or, comics too, or wherever. And it's like, but it's like weird because it's like, it, Ian McKay talked about the same thing where he's like, a guy says, "I play football. I'm a football player." And they're like, "Oh, what team?" And he's like, "Oh, I just did my buddies in the park." It's like he's just as much as a football player as the guy on the fucking Bears. I couldn't think of any other team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Uh, but it's like, and it's true. It's like if you love to do this and this is what you do, why have you thrown all this? all this baggage really uh, onto it it's a, it's ways for people to 
you know, not be fulfilled. Uh, you know, we're all told that it's like we need to uh, achieve more and more, and it's uh, it's not really it's not really what we need. I really think it's it's kind of the and this is going to sound you know a bit conspiratorial or it's a, it's the industrial complex. It's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, is this going towards it's the, the industrial revolution. It's the idea that we all have to work until we die. It's the idea that you know that we have to keep on going upwards and onwards as, and that was just a thing that was like instilled in, in uh, that's very American, you know, because they needed to tell Americans like upward and onward, we will become the biggest and the best. And the, we have to keep going, you know? Uh, and then everyone, you know, puts that like for country and they do that for themselves. And, and that that's, you know, that's just, that's a real business minded version. And then people try to put that onto their art. So if I say, you know, if I'm a guy that's like, oh, I like to do comedy and say, well, this is the this is how you're going to have to do it. You have to always be progressing financially and awareness. Is it, you know, there's all of a sudden they put it they they what something is so artistic as, uh, you know, uh, comedy. They put a they make it seem like, oh, well, now that's your job and this is the building you work in and you got to work your way up to the top floor. Yeah, that's what Kevin Dorf said about working on Conan. And he's like, I love it. I'm really thrilled I have this job. But he's like, I spent my whole life wanting to not have an office job. And he's like, I have an office job. Now. Yeah. No, and no, it's no, like that's... weird because everybody in the comedy world is like, that's, they fucking want to write for one of those shows. And I'm like, that sounds terrible to me. Yeah. Personally, for me. Oh, no, I've written on, you know, shows. I wrote on The Soup. I, you know, wrote on a, a few other shows. And yeah, you're in an office and you, you're, it's like, oh, Bagel Thursday. Oh, here comes the weekend. <laughs> you know, you just turn into all the things that you wanted to get away from. Um, you know, I have a friend that says, uh, you know, that I can't live my life like a punk drummer, that I uh, that I need to live up to my full potential. And I just said, this sounds that sounds like something a square says, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it's like and this guy is this guy is richer than I can ever imagine to be. But, you know, I like the idea that I took time out of my day today to ride my bicycle to the uh, jam pad I've been renting out and uh, just played fucking drums for a half an hour straight. And then rode back here, went, stopped by the record store, said hi, chatted with a dude about Led Zeppelin, and then got a coffee, came back here. Now I'm talking to you. Yeah, it does. I f that, I, it's weird how many people m miss that. It's like, when I'm fucking 80, I'm not going to be like, oh, man, thank God I hid my apartment and wrote yet another attempt at, like, a shitty sitcom. Or, like, not to take shots at, like, that kind of stuff, because no. some people do that well. But, like, then I've been like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to go and have a beer in a sit in a park it's yeah like, it's like that's what like it's about not does that sound hokey it does sound hokey but it is true no but it's it's other people you know we're and this is one of my least favorite things about uh i love the comedy scene it's my it's been you know my family it's, it's i've met my best friends because of it and i you know you and you know i'm sure you can say the same thing it's a you know uh changed my life you know punk rock saved my life you know from being having this boring young suburban experience punk rock saved my life and made me uh think of bigger and better things that are possible in this world and to be a better you know human and exist within it uh and then comedy changed that perspective uh you know and it made me uh understand that it could you know you could take those same ethos of punk and then put it into these other aspects of your life and and you know i wouldn't it's you know comedy right now is like the, like it's all I ever think about. It's all I ever want to do, uh, and it's for better or worse. You got all these other guys here 
and it's all this projected upon uh, view of what success is and where you're at in it. I would love to just live within the idea of that I just put stuff out and I just do my thing and what comes comes. But we get these other guys going, well, did you hear that this guy got this thing and you didn't? That's what you get told the most in comedy. Who got what and that neither of you did. Yeah, I got irritated by something the other day. And it's just because it does, it becomes conditioning a bit. And somebody did a show and I was like, hey, why? Like, why didn't, but I'm like, you don't invest any time in stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, but it's like the fact that I still think that way bothers me because it's like, I didn't put the time in the stand up comedy that I would have been on Conan or any of that shit. Yeah. I always was just like, oh, write stuff. Yeah. But it's just weird that, that bullshitty it comes mentality. Up every, time. every time I see the lineup for, you know, a festival, like, you know, I was looking at Instagram and I saw that, you know, the Sasquatch festival was going on. I was like, oh. Seems like I would have got it, should have been asked to. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's, there's a want there, of course, and you shouldn't be ashamed of the want. But, um, and as, you know, ca- guys with Catholic backgrounds, uh, <laughs> we are. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's tough to just kind of put that aside and just go, well, it didn't happen. Who cares? It's not my thing. Yeah. And it's like, Sasquatch doesn't need to see me. <laughs> no, because you said something interesting because punk rock, like, that was an alarm almost for me too because in my shitty suburb of suburb of chicago like when i it was you know doors led zeppelin all that bullshit and yeah. then somebody gave me a mixtape and it was like it was like exactly what you said like oh fuck there's a whole different world that i'm com- was that exactly how it was for you like it was like yeah do you remember who the band was like specifically well it was tough because it you know or it was like I, a, it was post nirvana so it's um you know it's like nirvana was there and everyone liked Nirvana. And then you, you know, some kids like me and my friend Donald, uh, were like, what else? Like, it's like, you know, what did he say in an interview? Well, he said, he talked about, uh, you know, dinosaur junior. Well, who's dinosaur. Junior? Then we go and look for dinosaur junior. And like, it's like, uh, he mentioned that other band they're on this. Look, it's the same record label. Who else is on this record label? You know, it's that, it's that thing that, you know, you, you realize how far this goes. And, you know, punk rock is really cool because, it's kind of like a baseball in a way where, uh, you know, what people like about baseball is it's like, well, you know, this guy, you know, uh, played when, when, when he was a player, he's a coach now, but when he was a player, he played with, you know, this guy who played with Babe Ruth. It's like, it's all this stuff that yeah. kind of goes back and it connects and it's just, it's just, it's just this little, you know, tether to the past that you can have and you have to put in the work. You have to go, you have to almost, you know, punk rock is great where it's a, you hear Green Day and then you go like, oh, well, who was, you know, and then up I, and you can go back. You just, you have to do your homework when it comes and to that And you kind of can keep, like, there's always going. something to discover. Yeah. I heard something yesterday. I can't even think of what their name was. It was like, it was or its ways like something really weird it was just like a singles i'm like was nev- not was was <laughs> yes <laughs> but like the dicks i discovered the dicks a couple years ago because of david yow and i was like yeah. i no, i always thought they were jesus lizard tunes when the jesus lizard would do them yeah do you know the dicks i know i've heard of them you know they're fuck i'll dropbox it because you can't get it on spotify or anything oh but dick. it's like you listen to that and you're like oh that's because i was always like oh the jesus lizard is such a unique sound i'm like no, that's where they got like they got yeah. it from somewhere yeah so did you um when you started doing comedy did you also were you still going to punk shows in chicago and stuff like that i i was into weird music and i never like saw i fucked up and didn't see the dead milkman as a kid and i wanted to that's the one 
I saw, I didn't see a lot of live music I was in high school. Yeah. I mean, it was like hard, it was hard to access. I did go to punk clubs. I went to The Exit a lot, which was mm-hmm. like where Gigi Allen and Naked Ray Gun played, and I would like hear it, but I never saw it live. Oh, and it wow. Was, there was still an element, though, where it was kind of terrifying. Yeah. Because <laughs> the first time I heard, like, the first punk song I heard was I Saw Your Mommy and Your Mommy's Dead. Yeah. And I turned it down because I was... A, I literally thought my mom would think I was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I got uh, sent to the principal's office because I brought a suicidal tendency CD to uh, school. And you what know? did the principal say to you? He looked at the track listing. He's like, suicide's an alternative? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> do you have suicidal tendencies? I was like, not right now. <laughs> that is like such. Right a, now, you do. You, that's like the opening scene for a, like a Twisted Sister video. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All he wanted was a Pepsi. Um, <laughs> but like I, re- yeah, and then I got into weirder shit too. Like then, not weirder, but like you know, then I discovered like the first time I heard Tom Waits and stuff was still yeah. in high school and like like the Rain Dog stuff, and that was just like, what the fuck is like. What is going on? Yeah. Like it was so baffling to me. Well, so you were you left you spent what six months in, in uh, L.A. and then I moved back to Streamwood, and my mom kicked me out pretty much almost immediately. So yeah. I went. I began couch surfing around for how long? Chicago. Uh, I don't know for a long time. Uh, yeah. I yeah I lived with a junky blues musician for a while and a, his lead singer and his really uh new york jewish wife like it was a bizarre she was like joan rivers married a junky bl- white blues musician <laughs> and they took in some scrappy 18 year old kid who wanted to be a comedian and then i shared a room sometimes with a really fat chain smoking black blues singer yeah I had, who was a, we- a- I had a weird like living situation when i was right out of high school too just uh it was like a house attached to a junkyard that was falling apart that's incredible uh yeah it was a. Uh, it was me. I was the youngest guy. There was this guy in the 60s who was kind of the house dad. His name was Ken. He worked at the uh, Honolulu Weekly. Uh, would always just cook steak. Um, and then there was a there was the guy who was uh, this like dude that would just smoke crack and work out in the living room. Uh, there was Francis who uh, had warrants out for his arrest, so we never had the windows or doors open. And if anyone asked for him, you didn't know who he was. Um, there was this other guy, Charlie, who was this like skinny day trader guy. He would get up real early in the morning and do day trading stuff. Uh, it was also really crazy Christian. And when I got my first cell phone, he's like, Mm-mm, "Not here, man. They can now find us." Uh, wow, that dude. Uh, and then like this other guy uh, lived with me there for a little bit too, because we found the place at the same time. Was a uh, um, uh, his name was uh, Ken, he, he's an artist. He's like a cartoonist. Um, Ken Dahl, D A H L. Um, and he did this amazing book recently, a couple of years ago called Monster, uh, or Monsters. He's it's amazing. It's, he's, he's like a really, really great, very politically minded, uh, cartoonist, uh, great artist. And so he was there for a bit too. And it was just the weirdest fucking house. And, uh, Francis, uh, the guy at the Warren Suffer's rest was friends with this, uh, older stripper lady, uh, who would come by and stay with him a lot. They weren't, they would never, I don't think they were together. I think they were just friends. Um, and one time she got, uh, uh, this is a weird story. She, she, so she, she danced at Club By Me, B Y M E, Club By Me, which wouldn't advertise their dancers. They would advertise their what food they had that night. It was like a thing on the outside. Club By Me. I remember there was these two guys on a bus once, and I heard, "Bra, you going to Club By Me tonight?" And he's like, "Yeah, bra, spaghetti night." <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and so, 
she danced there. And then uh, there was this guy who was in this band uh called the catalogs and they are a really good pop punk band from hawaii one of their songs actually was covered by the queers uh that was their claim to fame you know the queers uh like covered one of their songs um i think like love in the cemetery or something like that uh and so, but the guy was also uh, a satanic priest uh the singer of the band he was a pop punk band but he was just uh, you know had this he was also a satanic priest and really nice guy always always really cool to me uh but he started seeing that that stripper lady and then uh she got a facelift one time and so he was taking care of her but francis didn't like that guy from the band the punk kid um and and so he's like he came home and he's like what the fuck you doing here? you know like kick the guy out the guy goes to my window he's like hey she got a facelift her face is swollen she's so fucked up you need to stay home tonight and put pressure on her face so the Jesus. drain goes into like a little tube it's like she's all bandaged up and so the drain all the fluid would go into this little ball sack thing and so I had to go like every half hour, go over to her room and kind of like roust her up and then just squeeze her head and have all the fluid come into this little like bag. And he's like, Francis doesn't want me here. You got to do this all night. And so sounds like the kindest satanic priest ever. He's a, no, he was a great guy. Uh, he actually, he was the one that kind of showed me, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I, I was in Catholic school. Um, my mom was a Protestant. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I, I was an altar boy for like a, a a day wherein I was just like, I was like, this is fucking boring. You know, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't care about uh, impressing my grandmother that much. Uh, and so I, um, you know, I, I, that was kind of my religious background, but then I started, you know, playing in hardcore bands and there was guys that uh, were into Krishna, you know, which was the hardcore thing to do. Um, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Uh, so we, um, you know, there was a Krishna temple and that we would go there for uh, Sunday feasts and which was great. And, you know, I knew, and because of Hawaii, you know, you know, you know, a lot of Buddhists and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's how is there a Krishna punk? I've never heard that before. A the Krishna? band Shelter. You never heard the band Shelter? I didn't know they were Krishna. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was like, they, that's kind of the fact that two of the guys in youth of today became Krishna, uh, kind of broke up the band and they started a new band called Shelter, which is all about Krishna. There was like, it's like hardcore songs going, that's the message of the back of God, you know, just, uh, <laughs> I guess I never paid that much attention to Shelter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, they're 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 an interesting band. But how did you end up in a fun, living in a, the junkyard situation? Because that's what's like. Yeah. Well, how I, old were you? I was. That's uh, a really bizarre. That's like yeah, a. Yeah, I was eighteen, I think, at the time. I um, I was living. My my grandfather and grandmother had an apartment in uh, Waikiki next to the Alamoana Mall, and it was like this, you know, old man apartment. Um, you know, it was like the 13th floor. It's just a two bedroom, two bathroom, really nice, like really nice apartment. Um, but they were both dead. But because they bought it through the company that they started that was still running, it still got paid for. And I uh, my parents m tried to move me away from Hawaii the year before my senior year of high school, which uh, fuck you. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I have friends. I've, uh, I'm in bands like you can't. And that's, you know, that's the thing that about that I loved about being in bands and it, it made you realize how much high school is so dumb and so like the social ideas that and all the parameters that you know you're supposed to everyone always asks me you know like nerdist fans that go like oh how hard was high school for you i was like i, I don't know it would have been hard if i cared you know i didn't give a shit what people because all these kids were dorks i was cool you know <laughs> i wore mystery science here 3000 shirts because that's cool it's like and they called they called me a, a nerd like fuck you like you don't know about all this cool shit you don't what do you do after school oh you go surfing then you go smoke pot and then you pass out with your in your parents place 
I go and I fucking practice with my band. I go skateboarding, and then I go to some fucking crazy warehouse show in Chinatown with adults, and I'm hanging out with adults all night. That's you exactly know? how I felt. But I was doing that with Second Like, I was hanging around Second City, so it was like, Oh, you think? Oh, you fucking football guy! You think you're cool? Like I'm watch. I watched Robin Williams join the improv set. Like yeah. Like I was like, I'm hanging out with that. So fuck you. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's not even it's not even that much. It's not even fuck you. It's just like I don't care about you. You have this like you're. It's a, you know your perception of the world is so tiny right now. You have no idea because <laughs> all they all high school kids do is hanging out with other high school kids. And if they're hanging out with college kids, that's even more pathetic for the college kids. <laughs> you know, got, you know, if you get into the arts and you start if you're in uh, plays and stuff like that and you start to you start to hang out with adults and these adults are treating you. And I say adults because there's like 23 year old guys or you know 25 year old guys. Yeah, um, but when you're 16, 17, that's yeah, like... exactly. 15, 16, 17. It's, uh, and so, you know, I'm I'm and these people are treating me just like another person. They're not treating me like a kid. They're not treating me like some high school kid because I um, I'm good at the drums and uh, our bands opening up for other bands just like their bands. You know, it's, did you uh, open up for some cool bands? We opened up. Well, yeah, for me. Yeah, we opened up for uh, I think we opened up for Braid once, which was really cool. They're from Champaign, Illinois. Um, uh, we opened up for Scared of Chaka, which was one of my favorite bands. They're from Albuquerque. Uh, opened up, uh, not unwound. We couldn't do that because it was at a twenty-one and over venue. And then we couldn't. We weren't allowed to. Play. Oh yeah, because I wondered that. Like if, because like, punk bands that didn't have a lot of dope. Like getting to Hawaii is expensive. It was basically the the promoters in Hawaii would say, "Take a vacation to Hawaii. We'll show you a- around. You'll lose money. Maybe make it back in merch, but just come to Hawaii." There was a there was a big drop off too. Um, you know, bands would come to Hawaii because it was a stop off on the way to japan but then flights straight to japan became cheaper and so it just kind of took out everything Uh, all the bands that came to hawaii uh uh one of my bands dos muchachos opened up for the sea and cake really so so that was pretty cool yeah were they cool to you no 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 yeah i know was he dick they're all they're all very reserved i picked them up from the airport and like i took them to the guy's place they were crashing and they're like wait we're crashing at a place (laughs) no no take us to a hotel they're very Adult. They're adults, yeah. They're adults, and they're for every for every good reason. They're a great band, um, but yeah. So that that was a, that was a big thing about punk is that it kind of sh- you know showed you that there was more and that you know even socially. But uh, uh, yeah, it's a uh, I can't remember. We were talking about Krishna for some reason because of the yeah. Oh, how I asked you how you ended up in the junkyard. <laughs> no, <laughs> which is like a Sam Shepard sitcom. Like if Sam Shepard got to create a sitcom, yeah, yeah. it would be the, you, that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was living in this place, and I didn't want to, uh, you know, I didn't want to, because uh, I, 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 I wanted to stay in Hawaii. My my grandparents were gone; no one was using the apartment, so I was staying there. So I lived there my senior year of high school on my own. Uh, I was on the other side of the island, so I had to commute to the other side. Got a couple speeding tickets trying to make it, you know, over the hill in time, and uh, and I, uh, uh, I would just, I was, you know. My friends were my family at that point, and so I had my friends were allowed. I would leave the door open because uh, it's in a building, so it's okay. You know, it's like a, mostly old people, and so I would let my friends come and use the place if they were in town, uh, you know, on town side. Um, and uh, one time, my friend Chuck was there, and uh, Chuck kind of had an identity crisis because uh, in his, like, we had two circles of friends that kind of combined. And in my circle of friends, I was the tall, goofy, funny guy. Chuck was that in his group of friends. And then there couldn't be two 
you know, there can be only one. We were Highlander, you know, at that point. <laughs> um, and so he kind of ended up having, he lost a bunch of weight by just not eating. Um, he kind of just started struggling for identity at that point. It was really weird to see. Started trying to hang out with other groups of people. We're like, what do you do? Why are you going hanging out with him? You're our friend. <laughs> Uh, and I think he was just kind of trying to find his own place because the thing that he grew up being is no longer needed. He was, you know, he, it was a redundance. It was a redundancy, you know, because I was there and I was much, much fatter and taller and funnier than him. Uh, and so he kind of started acting out in a lot of weird ways and would try to do crazy things like, you know, like jump into a pool with all his clothes on, um, like just crazy shit like walking by a car and then just like pounding the hood of the car to try and dent it like and then running you know just he was just acting out you know because he needed to find well who who is he now what 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 am i and um he did something uh at my apartment where he took one of the chairs that was on the deck and just threw it off the front of of the porch you know the balcony and it might i was above you know 13 stories above the entrance of this building oh shit they knew it was me uh i got booted immediately i got like uh, i got back and then like my uncle was there and you know he was there to change the locks he's like you gotta go uh you know it was just it was just i was like my my free ride was over and i had to find a place immediately um and i looked at the la weekly there was a room in a house for 40 dollars uh a month and it was uh that was that was that place i just went i met with the guy and it was i was just it was just there I was, uh, when I was there, yeah, I was working at the, um, I was working at a record store or at the uh, Garden Cafe at the Holly, uh, Honolulu Academy of Arts. It was just, yeah, it was a real weird time, real weird time. <laughs> so you f- you moved from Hawaii to f- a forty dollar room in L.A. Did I? Is that? How no, that- no, 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 no. Oh. This was the junkyard in Hawaii. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, you- damn. Yeah, I've worked at record stores all over the place. <laughs> but yeah, the, so like I, it was, uh, and it was underneath a freeway overpass. That was another detail I forgot to put in there it was uh there was no driveway i just just... imagine it being really filthy 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 just you know holes in the floor uh holes in the ceiling um just the you know the the junkyard part was like just like rusted out mechanical something or others you know you can't even tell what they do it was uh right next to a tree cutting place uh so like you know every morning at 4 30 in the morning all the trucks would start up and you know wake me up and it was, uh, yeah, it was real, real fucking, like, you know, no one, no one believes that it's, you know, that I, that I ever lived there. I, like, I would drive, I remember I was starting to see a girl, and uh, I point, I was like, that's where I live. She's like, what? And then that was the last day. <laughs> At least you could imagine what would have happened if you brought her home, like, all right, honey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now get on the loft bed. I want, that's, it's weird that in your 20s you don't, you, like, I lived in, I mean, and you that it just you don't no you don't think, think about, about it. it no but like in hindsight I'm like even my place in Echo Park here I was like how did you do that for eight years a yeah. shithole yeah I mean I've I've lived in some pretty okay places since you know since moving out here um yeah I lived in Pedro so like three hundred dollars a month to share a two bedroom house with one other guy because it's San Pedro weren't you, you know? a part of that punk house in Long Beach or am I nuts no the the, the what was that was it like that's the, like legendary like filth pit right. Yeah, uh, no, I was, I was like, you know, Pedro kids were a little more together than that. I'm not really. Everyone was on speed, but, um, <laughs> but uh, everyone was really clean because you're on speed. You know, there's nothing else to do. Uh, no, no, no. I think I can't remember what that was called. Like the 
something nest like the stork's nest or something. I just I know a bunch of people and some of them that I've met I'm like of, co- of course you'd live in a weird yeah, like there yeah. there's a major some bands came out like some of the burger records guys are Oh really? live there um uh guys from the makeout party I think uh I think the cover of their album is them in front of that place. Oh that's crazy. Yeah. Um but yeah so that uh, moved out here and I, Did I you move here to, with the intention of doing comedy, or were yes. you still wanting to do music? No, no, no. I moved out here with all intentions of doing comedy, because it was all I ever wanted to do. I wanted to, uh, you know. How I old? Thought I was ni- I just turned 19. And that was like a definitive, like, I'm doing comedy. Or was it like you just sort of didn't? You... No, no, no. It's, I mean, all my friends were staying in Hawaii, and then they all, like, a few months after I left, moved to Seattle together to be in bands that they never started, you know. <laughs> Seattle's a good town to do nothing in. A lot of fun. Uh, but I, yeah, I, um, I went here, I was by myself. Um, I, I took a, uh, one of those classes, the opening classes at the Groundlings because I thought that's, I thought I was going to be an improv guy. And I still kind of regret not going full force into it, but I was, it was such a weird experience. Why do you regret that? To not, not going into, cause the, my style of standup is conducive to me being a good host. Uh, and that's, I've never had any desire to host a late night show, to host a chat show, to, you know, be a host of anything. It's most of the jobs I'm offered is because that's kind of just, I'm, I'm personable and I hate awkward moments. I think that's what makes a good host. But is that also because of like, because you've hosted Meltdown for so long too? Like that's just. You know, even like when I started doing comedy, people were like, you're a good host. You know, when you had to host a show, you're a good host. I go, no, don't. I'm a weird comic that can't be (laughs) contained. Um... But I have a, you know, I have a knee-jerk reaction to make everything okay all the time. So, um, and I think if I had focused more on improv and sketch, I, you know, I would be getting to do. And you—that's all hindsight. You never know. But uh, I, I have an easier time getting, you know, the acting gigs I want to do or or stuff like that. You know. I think you're a great actor. Thank you. I just I I th- I, f- I never thought that in my brain. I always was like, oh, Jonah's a really great stand-up. Like I never was oh. like he should host something. I was like, thanks. You know, I think that's just the easiest, the easiest route for a lot of people. You know. Yeah, I f- would think like hosting a show is probably I would, it would get m- m- old fat. Like it's I just like, think it's it like kind of miserable. You know. Yeah, I mean, unless you then go back to the thing of like. Yeah, but the money's good, and then you're famous. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like, I think of, like... I mean, like, that's like, it's, you know, I'm never, I never was a kid going, man, I wish I could just be in the same spot every day. (laughs) Like, I look at, like, a guy like Ryan Seacrest, and I'm like, your life probably fucking, you probably, you have no life. No, he just works. That sounds, and it's like, do you even, like, ever have an opportunity where you're like, I had too many beers last night? Like, when you're Ryan Seacrest, you can't, because you were up at, like, probably four? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And working no, he, until like midnight. Yeah, because he also produces so many things, and he uh, he has to go from one thing to the next. And yeah, he's a workaholic. He's you know like it's uh sound it's terrifying. Yeah, it's something I want to do. You know, there's the story of the the guy with the fish tacos on the beach. You ever hear that story? No. It's, uh, and then there's on a like vacation. one guy. There's another guy who's like I had no fish tacos, and the, the fish tacos were like that's when I was carrying you. Yes, exactly. See all the fish tacos <laughs> we left behind. Pick them up because they're not uh, they're not fucking free. Um, we know our way back. <laughs> uh, the uh, you know the the, the story is uh, there's a guy on a vacation. It's like you know as he goes to 
someplace in Mexico and he's on vacation. This is like the two weeks he has off of the entire year. And he goes and he sees this guy getting up in the morning, going, uh, uh, you know, going surfing and then fishing and then bringing back the fish, cooking up the fish, making fish tacos. And the guy goes, oh, like, I'll try some of these fish tacos. And he's like, these fish tacos are delicious. Oh, my God. These are the best fish tacos I've ever had. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, do you have a lot of people that love these fish tacos? He's like, oh, yeah, everyone loves my fish tacos. So, you know, if you got a guy, if you just charge a little extra, you can get another guy. You can get more fish. And then you can go and sell more fish tacos and make more money. <laughs> That's him right there. <laughs> um, the... Um, so it's you know the guy's like I was like well you know I I you know I just I surf, I go fishing I sell my fish tacos I spend time with my family the guy's like yeah but if you you know got you can have you sell more fish tacos you get more money and then you can actually kind of like turn this into an actual restaurant instead of just a stand on the beach and then you go and you uh, you can you know more people will be able to eat the fish tacos and they're so good and then you could uh, you you make more money and then you can franchise out and then it's like oh what do I do when I franchise out well then then you just you run the business you don't have to go fishing anymore you don't have to be on the beach you you can just uh, make money oh what do I do when I just making money and I don't have to work well you could go surfing I guess go fishing (laughs) Make some fish tacos, hang out with your family. <laughs> so it's the idea of uh, why do we have to, you know. Do, yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to end the show. Is that it? That's it. That's what we did I an hour. I want to talk to you so much more. We'll do it again? Sure. Where can Another 100 episodes? <laughs> every, you'll be my every 100 episode guest. Yeah. Every two years I'll have you on. Is this okay? Is this an okay uh, conversations with Matt Dwyer? I thought it was great. Yeah. It's hard for me to tell, you know. I just I no, I was glad because because of my lack of sleep, I was like, you did something and you turned it, and then it got magical. Well, when I started talking about you, that's what woke you up. So <laughs> uh, it's, it's a little hosting I, trick. No, <laughs> um, I get anxious when I talk about myself. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm real bad. I'm I, I can talk about myself, but I'm I'm bad at promoting myself. I can write my I can write about myself. I can't. I don't like talking about myself. Yeah. Maybe that's like that's Irish Catholic shit. It's probably it. Yeah, look at me. Don't look at me. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I, uh, Jonah Radio on Nerdist. Sure, sure. And then Nerdist. Yeah, whatever. Well, you know, maybe you can pick up some of my French listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a. Uh, when is oh, this, you, I think we're announcing it on Wednesday. Anyway, end of July, the meltdown with Jonah Kumail on Comedy Central. Good. Yeah, it's great. It's I an actual TV show I can promote. <laughs> yeah. You're one of those people now. You're better than me. Uh, I'll also be appearing on Marin and Garfunkel and Oates and Drunk History all this summer. Check out. And then where? what's your Twitter? Jonah Ray. Okay, that easy. I want to talk to you more about House Parks. We'll do that. <laughs> thank you very much. That has been Conversations with Matt Dwyer, 100 episodes. Uh, if I didn't thank Dustin Marshall and Feral Audio for supporting me this entire time and making this possible... I'm doing that now. Please listen to the other shows on feralaudio.com. Listen to uh, Don't Go Change and it's not, it don't, don't Ever Change by John Roy there. It's a great podcast, one of the best out there. And thank you very much. Have a good day.
the branch of the United States government. It is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. <laughs> the NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.